Welcome to Intro to X. This podcast is out there. I am FBI Director Robin, and I'm joined by my special agents. Tammy. Claire. Brad. And we have a guest here with us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sir, okay. introduce Thank yourself. Um, my name is uh, Christopher, but please call me Chris. It's much easier to say, and it will save, it'll save years off your life if you lose those other two <laughs> syllables. <laughs> I must say thank you for uh, filling in at the uh, the eleventh hour. <laughs> oh, very good. Madly, I I was going to send audio feedback into this episode, but since I haven't sent any for ages, it was going to sort of encompass everything you'd done so far. So it would have been hugely epic. So I could just sort of fold it in this week. But on it, I was going to introduce myself as being from a podcast that didn't promote itself through feedback to other podcasts because it always feels a bit cheesy. But since I'm on the show and you've just said it, yes, I am from Doctor. To who the eleventh hour podcast? <laughs> well, awesome, and uh, uh, thanks for uh, joining us. You're also uh, a major contributor to this podcast. We wouldn't have a theme without you. Yes, yay! I just, I just did what took what Mark Snow did and just changed some, changed some notes. Piece of piss. <laughs> Piece of piss. Um, we're gonna have lots of sayings like this today. <laughs> It's a very English episode today. It is. It's a very special English episode of X-Files. Claire and I will be referring to fags without even caring about it. Yeah, we this will. Episode, this episode was full of fags. They had them it all over the place. Fags coming out of ears. It was everything. fantastic. Waving fags in kids' faces. The whole lot. It was fagtacular. Yeah, and any other podcast would explain why, but I'm just not going to. If you don't get it, look it up. Uh. The X-File we're opening today is for Season 1, Episode 12, Fire. We're halfway through the X-Files Season 1, and I know it's been a rough <gasps> road at points. And uh, we're now at this episode, Fire, so let me reassure you, Season 1 is Fire. <laughs> okay? But we'll get through it. <laughs> yeah? <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> some jokes work, some jokes so just don't even work. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> All right, it's you, time to spin the wheel. You've, you've called me here to you've called me here to do this, knowing how I feel about the X Files. <laughs> Which I is what? You don't feel badly about puns. <laughs> no, no, I don't feel badly. And the uh, person that came up in the <laughs> spin is Brad. So, hey. um, <laughs> so how we, what episode is this, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> It's a uh, fire. Ever. It seems statistically questionable that it's never been Robin. <laughs> oh, oh, the it episode. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. This app just doesn't seem to work. You know, um, in my favor or, or against my favor. I guess that would be the. Mm, All right, I'm done know. talking. So, uh, <laughs> let's go on to your uh, description in three, two, one, go. All right, this episode starts off, and we're just outside London, and guess what's happening? A family's together, old man's going out to his car, and then he catches on fire. And mostly everybody just kind of watches. It's really weird. Um, but there's a guy with an evil goatee, and clearly he's the one behind this. So we go back to the FBI, and Mo and Scully are getting to their car, and they've received a tape. Oh, no, it's a bomb. No, it's actually Mulder's weirdo ex-girlfriend from London. And she is bizarre and playing mind games. 
and all kinds of antics. She's there because of all these people being burned to death, and clearly she needs Mulder to get on it. Why? Because Mulder has a weirdo phobia of fire, because he lived in some weird Dickensian world where he'd help a friend <laughs> monitor rubble so their looters didn't come in the night. What the fuck? Um, and they end, uh, the, the people there coming over to America to get away from it all, the guy is the caretaker. Oh, no, it's him. He shaved off his goatee. How will they ever figure it out? Uh, he burns things. Mulder has a freak out. It's terrible. There's a lot of weird sexual tension between everybody, including the arson guy. Um, yes. In the end, it all works out. They He sets himself on fire. It's bizarre. The end. All right. One minute, 21 yeah. seconds. A lot Ooh. happened. <laughs> All right, so uh, we start off uh, 70 miles uh, southwest of Clare. Um, in, no, uh, southwest of London. I'm in southeast London. Therefore, it would be west of me, Robin. Get your geography right, man. Yeah, it said southwest, southwest of London. London. It said southwest of London, and I'm southeast of London. Therefore, it would be to the west of me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Mapcast. <laughs> I'm just going to mention this quickly. That I looked at it, and the place name seems so fake, but it does exist. Bosom yeah, or Bosom. I thought that as and well. I was like, that Windlesham. Can't... I thought, oh, this is an American Ooh. making up British place names. Um, we'll get to Windlesham later. Don't yeah, worry. Don't... I'll a little fact about it. We may have researched the same fact about Windlesham. We might have. Mm. Anyway, but yeah, it, when you're whenever you're a Brit watching American TV, um, whenever they do anything in London, frankly, because because London is always England is always Great Britain. Um, <laughs> there's, they have a particular approach, and it's always a bit fakey. So Bosom sounded really fake, but it does actually exist. That's all. I like that it sounds like Bosom. Bosom. <laughs> Oops. Oh yeah, I I didn't have any part of my breast pierced this week. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's two weeks my breasts have been mentioned on the podcast. Thanks. <laughs> that's gonna be a thing. Just by you, I mentioned my breasts. <laughs> it's all about me. It's my unquestionable ego. Come on. Sorry, Robin. <laughs> no, it's fine. This uh, this old guy kisses his young wife goodbye, and we see uh, one of the groundskeepers there looks a bit shifty. Okay, <laughs> can I just say? Can I just say, Brad? You said last pod, last episode, and I quote: "That guy is the shiftiest groundskeeper ever." Do you <laughs> still think that? Uh, listen, I think this, this is a show about shifty, gr- shifty groundskeepers. <laughs> Each one creepier than the last. I mean, this is this is a time when you know the IRA were really in operation. Everyone was terrified of anyone with an Irish accent, anyway. Yep. So if anyone that's in your garden and you're like a government minister and he's all oh, top of the morning into you, and he's got his evil Spock goatee as well, I think he just wouldn't pass muster and as a member of staff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, no one knew who Mark Shepard was though back then. You can't Those were simpler times. Yes. <laughs> now you uh, can't help but know who Mark Shepard is. He's everywhere. Between also, him and Mark Pellegrino, they're <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> the Marks are taking over. And can I also say, how many gardeners do they have that they can afford to have one gardener per plant? <laughs> <laughs> They've got like 12 gardeners and they're all tending must... like one plant. 
He must be a specialist. Anyway, uh, Mark Shepard is one of the... This is where our, our joint things intersect. He's one of the rare sort of VX Files and Doctor Who people. Uh, and I, didn't, I couldn't think of many other until, not by name, but Brad mentioned in the previous episode, Gordon Tipple, who was briefly the master. Right. But, of course, he may have been playing the Anthony Ainley iteration of the master, which the actor couldn't do, of course. And I'm dead. But, um, <laughs> he may, but, of course, you all know that. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, everybody loves Mark Shepard. Uh, favorite Mark Shepard role? This Anybody? one. This one? This one. I don't think I've seen him in anything. Oh, really? I like him in BSG. I love him in That's BSG. Great. Yeah. I, I love him. him. I love him in everything. I love him in Jake 2.0. I love him in everything. <laughs> What was my, do you know what my favourite Mark Shepard moment was? Sitting next to him in my blood-soaked nightdress, <laughs> looking at photos on his iPhone in a bar. And that's a true story. What? what? Yep. You can't nice. drop that. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sounds like an if X-File. If Shepard wants to, to say more about that, he can phone in the show. <laughs> I'm Mark Shepard, doing my Irish accent. <laughs> I just want to explain what happened. With it. No, sorry. Yeah, I'm so Irish. So this old guy catches on fire, collapses, um, and then we go to uh, a DC parking garage. Mulder and Scully are exhausted from testifying in court, and uh, you know they don't usually have to do that because nobody brings aliens to justice usually. <laughs> um, that was some good. That's some good. Um, you know, self self recognition from the series. Yeah. Um, the door is unlocked to the car. They go in. They find a cassette, and what follows is the cruelest practical joke. <laughs> and also the dumbest thing for them to actually play the tape when they know that someone has broken into an F- FBI agent's car and left something there. Wouldn't you just go and take it to the lab? That's what I would do. I'd be like, uh, someone I... broke into my car and left a tape. It's a cassette Mulder, tape. Mulder yeah. has already entered the world of Deep Throat. He's now used to weird shit happening and odd messages being left to him everywhere. Yeah, I'm sure he's intrigued. I mean, I don't think a cassette tape can do. Well, it can trigger a bomb that also can be. <laughs> but if, you, can... Well, if you put a mechanism in the car stereo that like, and this sort of pushes things out of the way and stuff like that, then yes, that is feasible. I guess any cassette could have triggered that bomb then. But then yes. anything can, anything could trigger a bomb. Of course. <laughs> I mean, you can't live your life like, oh, everything's going to trigger a bomb. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, the, uh, joke was, uh, set by, uh, Inspector Phoebe Green, who opens the door and scares the heck out of them. All right, uh, I gotta point this out. She's mm-hmm. talking about, Mulder says something about, um, it's the only thing you didn't put a stake through, and she's wearing gloves. I was immediately suspicious of it. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, happen to notice are... that once again, Scully can't undo seatbelts because Moldy gets out of the car, has an entire conversation with this woman, and then Scully gets out of the car. And I was like, was she in the car trying to undo her seatbelt again? Going, damn it, <laughs> I still can't undo them. I think no, Scully I... is sort of uh, torn between wanting to be nosy and going, this is none of my business, and trying right. to sort of find her way between the two. And she... looking to see if she had a reflection in the mirror. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she fights this uh, throughout the entire episode. <laughs> Should I stick my... No? Okay. Um, this is uh, Amanda Pays, who uh, is probably best known from Max Hedrum and The Flash. Yes. Um, nope. <laughs> and, for, and for delivering very clunky English dialogue written by Chris Carter. <laughs> yes. Some Chris... clever bloke has been giving the aristocracy a good scare. We're going to catch the dirty bugger. 
Catty bugger. It was like watching The Bloodening. <laughs> oh. I loved it. Chris Carter says, I thought it was... Uh, says, I also I love... Was... I love. Sorry. <laughs> I, I really love it in shows where there's like a fictional thing and it's they say that it was a character in the show. Minor spoilers for Life on Mars when they said that Gene Hunt is the one that trashed the blue Sorry. That's a minor spoiler. Shush. Um, I no. love that they basically insinuate that it was Mark Shepard that like burned down Windsor Castle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. It's brilliant. Yeah, that that was a fire that genuinely happened. Yeah, it was a real fire. And it, it was like, a bit like if they the used the actual Challenger disaster in space. Yeah, they yeah. wouldn't do that yeah. though. Well, no. <laughs> really weird. Um, yeah, Chris Carter says I thought it was interesting to show a little bit of Mulder's history by bringing an old girlfriend back. But always wanted to do a Scotland Yard detective who was a woman. I also thought it was an interesting chance to use Amanda Pays and make a villainess of her. And uh, yeah, we have. She's not uh, really a villainess. She's just a bit of a cow. Um, according to uh, Wikipedia, I think it was like found this basically like half the uh, pretty much all X Files fans hated this woman. Oh, of course passion. they did. <laughs> because shipping. <laughs> These fucking internet people, nerds. Uh, yeah. um, we hate anything that's interesting. <laughs> Another weird little little English thing they wrote into this episode. Sorry, because I noticed a lot of these was no one in real life says. Um, member of parliament or Irish Republican army they would say MP is... or IRA yes, but every true. single time they just said the full thing to explain to you and I was like no one no one says that no one in the UK was, would say that it was that. even weirder it was like minister for parliament or minister of parliament and that was yeah. weird as well it was weird yeah hmm. very odd it's like entering a parallel world we don't <laughs> I know in all fairness, we don't do America very well on British television either. I'm aware of that. But um, it's still... It's just a bit like watching Jessica Fletcher go to London in Murder, She Wrote. And... <laughs> yeah, I just got done watching Live and Let Die today. And oh, uh, Sergeant Culpepper in that one is quite the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Phoebe is an old flame of Mulder's from Oxford 10 years ago. Remember, Mulder went to Oxford. Old um, flame, get it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to fill my notes up with fire puns, but I just didn't have enough time. But it, they, they, run, <laughs> they run rampant throughout this, uh, like a blaze out of control in this uh, episode. Uh. Um, yeah, immediately Scully and Phoebe hate each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, do they, or do they want to kind of make out? <laughs> if they do, it's very aggressively. Yes, exactly. Oh, Scully does get a knob joke. Which is good. Does she? Yes. He was extending a professional courtesy. He's like, oh, is that oh, what you're extending? Yeah. <laughs> Lol, erection. <laughs> yeah, I have a yeah. question. Um, Phoebe says that the guy was murdered, but they have no evidence. How do they know he was murdered then? <laughs> there's, no, there's no evidence. She basically for says it, he was fact. murdered, but we have no evidence. Well, he was on you fire. Don't know he was murdered then. Yes, but he could have caught fire accidentally. He doesn't Multiple mean that there was murderous intent. Or it but could the, have been but, manslaughter. It could have been manslaughter. Thing, but, no, I'm talking mul- about that particular thing. But they, they just say it's murder. I was like, I don't think that's how it works. But I think it's only Mulder in that universe who would accept the concept of spontaneous human combustion. Everyone else goes, no, this can't happen. So it must have been foul play. Mm. Uh, Phoebe is pretty agreeable, too. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the, Phoebe brief, briefs him about the whole case. And 
we find out this uh, Sir Malcolm Marsden, uh, <laughs> his wife started receiving the same kind of love letters that this member of Parliament's member of Parliament's wife um, started receiving as well. So she's in the states, uh, you know, protecting yeah. them as they're hiding out in Cape Cod for until the heat cools down. <laughs> Robin, as an X Files nutter, you know why I laughed at the name Sir Malcolm Marsden, right? Yes, he is the the hairstylist on the X Files. <laughs> Oh dear! Named after whenever, the hairstylist. Whenever they were, whenever they were short of a name, they just looked around the office. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm surprised he wasn't Sir Chris of Carter. <laughs> Sir Christoph Carter. <laughs> so uh, Phoebe offers Mulder a three-pipe problem. Wink, wink. Oh, okay. Here's the thing. One more fucking Sherlock Holmes reference. <laughs> and it's, if they could just drop the reference, that would be fun. But every fucking time, they gotta, they gotta spell it out. They gotta wink and nod, explain it five times, write it on a whiteboard. Stop it. Yeah. You're not clever. I can't believe they actually had, they're like, wait a second, what does three pipe problem mean? Like, I even, I don't, I've never read any Sherlock Holmes, but I can figure that out just exactly. by, like, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, or if you can't so, figure it out, then you look, you know, you don't know immediately, then you look it up. That <laughs> <laughs> was a uh, bit harder to do at the time. Yeah, I don't true. care, it's not an excuse. <laughs> Who doesn't have like five c- complete collections of Sherlock Holmes stories somewhere? <laughs> so, in the next scene, we meet the uh, affable Agent Beatty, uh, <laughs> who is, uh, <gasps> wow. He's creepy as hell. He's he's quite pervy. I enjoy he's his work. So pervy. I've called him. I've called him Agent Pervy. In my <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, get, I'm gonna get slightly ahead of myself, but obviously when he sees that Mulder's working with Phoebe, it's like, hey, I wish I was in your shoes. And then there's a bit where Scully comes around later. It's just I'm working with Agent Mulder, and he's kind of, oh yeah, yeah. He's also <laughs> like, way too. Yeah, into, he's way too into, too much into his job. He really gets into that fire shit a little yeah. hot yeah. heavy. No, whenever he's talking about fire, he's got a real grin on his face. Like he's talking about, oh. there's the one where they try, they can't put water on a certain kind of fire because it's so hot, it just splits it and it just causes it to burn more. And he's got a massive grin on his face. Like <laughs> that's, the, that's the coolest thing. Fire. That's his deal. I think he is a secret arsonist. <laughs> yes, definitely. Don't I? Don't they all seem to turn into that on these shows? <laughs> like the ones <laughs> that they're super crazy about fire. They're either you know they're either super obvious about it, and it turns out they're not them, or you know they are the arsonist. But, mm. Like perhaps Dexter will, just had that kind of thing just recently. Perhaps he'll return. Hmm. I hope so. I would. I we have to get this guy back. <laughs> uh, I, there's going to be a. Uh, uh, film or, or like a video of uh, X-Files goofs and uh, bloopers and whatever from season <laughs> one that I'll be showing you guys at the end of the season and uh, the outtakes of Mulder and this guy are pretty pretty hilarious. <laughs> Especially when he sets Mulder on fire. Yay! <laughs> Method acting. And uh, so we meet uh, Bob the Caretaker who's doing some okay. painting with rocket fuel. <laughs> I need Hi to there, say I'm... something right here. <laughs> This is very important. I have my top three fictional bobs of all time. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's number two. He's like meta-fictional Bob, because he's like a fictional character being someone called Bob. It doesn't matter, he's fictional. But Um, I would also add, as soon as you see someone called Bob, and they're wearing that much denim, you don't trust them. This is what we've learned from Twin Peaks. Bob plus denim, evil. And he plays with fire. 
Yeah, exactly. I probably wouldn't trust a guy with that unconvincing an American accent when they came up to me. Like, I also wouldn't trust I, a guy who's in a cab that's in rocket fuel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, anyway, I interrupted. Yeah, so, uh, no, that's Shepard onto his second of the uh, four <laughs> accents he does in the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what is he? But he's like, yeah, hi, I'm Bob. I've been hanging out here by this identical painting of you that will feature in the plot and then not have any point at all. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the first inspire later. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also have another very important point regarding Bob's to add, which is that Bob. I don't know if you guys know someone who's, uh, you know, alter ego, goes under the alter ego name of Bob, no. a.k.a. Robert Gray. What? <laughs> A little person, maybe called Pennywise the Clown. I'm just saying. <laughs> How convincing is his accent? Who? Pennywise the Clown? Yeah. <laughs> it's Tim I'm Curry. Not... Have you not seen Congo? This is oh, the most convincing God, a- I have. accent actor ever. Few... I have seen So you're saying Tim Curry <laughs> doesn't play anything. This is actually Pennywise using the name of Tim Curry playing different roles. Yes. Home Alone 2 lost in New York. There is yes. no Tim Curry, only Pennywise. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, yeah, outside, uh, Cecil, uh, gives the dog a, a little kick when he finds it ticking <laughs> up the real caretaker. Accent number three. Yeah, and sure, it's, yeah. like, the worst ADR ever. He's, he goes really See, partial. I'm the caretaker now. <laughs> yeah, no, he's yeah. all really partial. Uh, it's like, you mangy little cur, I'll skin you alive. Yeah. <laughs> Has anyone called anything a cur since, like, the 1800s in the UK? Because <laughs> I was, like... What? It does if he's an Englishman being written by Chris Carter. Haven't you, sir? Ha! On guard. <laughs> Chris Carter reading his Dickens. <laughs> you know, I, I, I partially hold Amanda Pays and uh, Mark Shepard to task here because shouldn't they have said, hey, oh, oh, this does not sound good at all? The thing is, we don't know if they approach the director with that going, no, like, this wouldn't work. And they say, no, you say what's on the page, buddy. Yeah. That's what you're Shut paid up. for. Yeah, it's not your I job. Think... You don't get to question the script. Yeah, well, I, I know, think like you know, like... Anthony Stewart Head does the same kind of thing in Buffy. Like he kind of hmm. helps out with that. Kind uh, of but stuff. eventually, you get to that stage. Yeah, yeah, but I think um, they seem, they seem to be more amenable to it. These are just some Amanda Pays you've heard of, but Mark Shepard is just some twatty nobody at this point. Who's yeah. who's presumably I, I I don't imagine he's had many roles in the U.S. at this point. He's probably no. been booked because they need someone who can do a, a, a more convincing British accent than an American accent, <laughs> and he just better later at American accents the longer he's been in the country mm-hmm. so uh with molders with scully here saying that uh you know phoebe is just kind of playing with his head yeah because man. because he's <laughs> scared of fire loco. sorry go ahead i said bitches be loco it wasn't very uh, politically correct <laughs> i've said worse uh, <laughs> but yeah we find out that Mulder is scared of fire mm. <laughs> because he wasn't in a fire yeah no. I was I was, I've been to a place that was once on fire, so I'm scared of fire. Although, can I think we, sorry, being scared we... of fire is quite straightforward. And that seems like a basic yeah, but... human fear that people should have. But, he, yeah, but... but Mulder has also been to London, which was once on fire. You're yeah, but it wasn't on fire. It's, like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I was yeah, in this place that was... that was once on fire, so I'm scared of fire. That was 1666. They've done the place up a bit. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, but apparently they still talk like they're in 1666 in London, so... That's true. I shall go to Pudding Lane and set fire to a thing. (laughs) Sorry, Brad, what were you... Sorry, I interrupted you. Can we please break down this situation? 
His best friend's house burns down. Yeah, oh, no. He had, it's like my best friend's house burned down, but I had to sit in rubble. Why did they family. spin the... Why? Let's send the children to spend the night in the rubble so the looters don't come. What weird Charles Dickens nightmare is this? <laughs> when the looters are coming. Keep the are kids... We, the kids, the kids the... must sleep in the rubble before the looters will come in the night. Are we at the point where the answer, because Chris Carter, is an acceptable answer for any of these things? Chris Carter just knew. Oh, God. <laughs> where were the parents? Why didn't they spend the night in the rubble? This is the worst explanation for a fear of fire. I, I mean, he wasn't, he didn't spend the night in the middle of a bunch of fire. He was, he spent the night in rubble. It the does fire seem was probably a, put out by then. It does seem an odd extra, even as a writer, as an odd extra level to go to, yeah. to come up with a fear. He just like, he had a fire. Yeah, there was a fire in his room. He was trapped. He couldn't get out for a bit and then it was all fine and he didn't die but he was scared that seems much more straightforward well, yeah or we'll how just about we just he, don't even give him a phobia his friend had a fire <laughs> mm. yeah well for one thing even initially his friend just, just had a fire yeah oh, sorry. getting ahead of him getting ahead i mean yeah later on initially he's just overcome by smoke inhalation which has got nothing to do with being afraid of it it's just you can't breathe that shit <laughs> So it's perfectly reasonable. I, Chris, do you, do you think I should spoil him about Mulder's Fear of Fire? <laughs> yeah, sure. This never comes up again, ever, ever, <laughs> ever. He well, it. he obviously wow. overcame it this episode. So. Well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, yep, yeah, the, 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 the other 202 episodes and two movies of the X-Files, it never comes up again. <laughs> Never. Along with a Robin, can I just say along with a couple of other things and then just leave it there? Sure, but don't. Cool. <laughs> I'm no. hoping that there's a situation in which he encounters fire, where they that you know, like, so it's not and just that, that he never is in this situation again, and he's just fine. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of blows over his head. And he's like, huh? Perhaps he <laughs> just you don't gets see over his fear of fire as the result of this episode. What you don't see is all that deep, deep, you know, that deep work that David Duchovny's doing as an amazing actor, of course, internalizing yes. that fear and you using it in those later episodes that I'm sure he'll do because he's such a competent actor. David Duchovny yep. is not a fan of this episode at all because of Mulder's sudden fear of fire. <laughs> Just, he does not he's like this wrong. episode. He's wrong. It's a shame that I really like this episode. <laughs> so in the next scene, we see Cecil doing a little peeping. And um, then we meet the uh, Marsden's driver who is sick. And uh, he offers to get him some medicine. He's another good London sort. He's like, oh, I appreciate that, mate. Uh. Yeah, go get some coffee and some blue juice. <laughs> I think you have Who the miss- hell picks syrup over lozenges? Who? What would he have done if he'd <laughs> asked for lozenges? Because with the syrup, he gave him an accelerant. There were lozenges. He'd have just got, like, given him some cherry bombs or something. So there you go, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You mi- also um you missed Cecil doing some slow mo perving on the wife from oh, outside, yeah. oh, and that it. was some rare actual slow mo on television where they actually filmed it fast rather than just doing that thing where they re- replicate frames and it looks crap. Something they <laughs> do later in this episode during the fire sequences, which would have looked amazing with actual slow mo, but instead they use it to perv on this no, woman in their kitchen. It wouldn't have. <laughs> oh. oh so, so what is, I want Tammy, Tammy, what, what? Please tell me that you understood this whole thing about the painting, as in where that painting came from. Because I've ass- seen this episode about ten times, and I still don't understand it. I assume that uh, 
Cecil had painted it, and I just thought, wow, he's a great artist. I mean, he was painting when they came in, so I just assumed he did it. And that was like his way of doing his love letter to the wife without having to actually write a love letter to her. Oh, no, she got love letters. That's why they're in Cape Town. Oh, well, maybe this was an addition, too. He really had a fascination with this lady. (laughs) See, I was thinking, because later we find uh, Scully throws in crazy exposition about, like, a satanic cult and all kinds of nonsense. (laughs) Yes! I thought we were going to find out that it was, like, um, that the wives were, like, all, like, the daughters of, like, the witches in some kind of coven or something Mm. that had done this to him. And he was burning them because that's how you kill witches. Yeah, and and he's mental, and he just loves to express himself through really tacky, airbrushed style paintings. (laughs) Is he is he mental or is he awesome? I'm going to go with awesome because I love him. He can't. He can be mental and awesome. Yeah, he's my second favorite Bob. (laughs) All right, so we're at the bar, and uh, the bartender is annoyed. Cecil brought his own hooch. This woman sidles up to him. He offers her a light, and she's all amazed, calls the others to see this neat trick. Turns back around. His entire arm is engulfed in flame. He slams it on the bar, and the bar erupts into flame as people are fleeing left and right. Yeah, so I don't presumably, understand. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Presumably, at some point, he's coated this bar with this accelerant without anyone noticing, and they've all put their no, drinks on it. Just it could be alcohol. Well, maybe, but it's a drinks. lovely even covering, and it's mostly beer. You know what I mean? It wouldn't go up like that. <laughs> And I don't understand what his motives are at all. And I, I mean, maybe I should no. stop trying to figure out in this no, show, no. like, why people are doing what they're doing. No, I think with Cecil, it's okay. you really, it really is a case of because he can. He just oh. loves doing it for shits and giggles. Yeah. I well, love this... the fact that he is, I love characters who are just gleefully evil. And <laughs> I love him. The main reason I love this guy is he's gleefully evil and kind of skipping ahead a bit. Anyone who ends an episode standing there on <laughs> basically going, Mwah! Yeah. <laughs> I've got like the thumbs up in my book because I'm like. Can yeah, I just say yeah. there are some amazing, uh, maniacal outtakes of Mark Shepard that I plan on showing you. I this bet. Reel. Awesome. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we're at the uh, the hospital. Mulder and Phoebe show up because uh, this uh, this report of this fire came across the wire, um, and um, we meet. Uh, the girl again, Miss Kotchik, who's uh, hesitant to talk because her spouse or whatever didn't know where she was last night. Yeah, she's still going to have to explain those burns. <laughs> also, but this is a fire that destroyed the concrete base of the bar but just burnt her hands, which does prove that women are harder than concrete. True that. Isn't that right, Tommy? Hardcore. <laughs> Outside the room, uh, Mulder gets a bit snippy with Phoebe, says they need to stick to the case. She apologizes. I'm cursed with a photographic nightmare, or whatever. It's photographic memory. <laughs> memory. Photographic memory. And bad acting. Oh. Yeah. Oh, does yeah. that ever come up again, Robin? <laughs> Mulder's photographic memory? <laughs> I think it does, doesn't it? I think it, I don't know. We'll see. I guess I, I think it's a thing they friend. might remember when they need to. Yeah. Unlike, yeah. oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Uh, Phoebe reminds Mulder's mental slideshow of how they desecrated Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's grave. No, right. they didn't. <laughs> they we didn't. did research the same thing. Can, can I can I say this? If, if they did, then Mulder and Phoebe are a hell of a lot older than they look. 
because Alf Kondor was first buried where they basically say he was. Um, in Wittlesham. But because he was, he counted himself as a spiritualist, so he couldn't be buried in the church. So I think he was buried in a rose garden. But he was later moved to Minstead in 1955. So that's where his headstone would have been. Yeah, he was reinterred. So they're either really, really, really old or they're complete feathers. Also, I, I, I'm fairly sure I've seen it. And isn't isn't the headstone just like a crucifix? <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's a crucifix. It's not one on the ground. It's a crucifix so, that stands up. I might be so, quite uncomfortable. They did it standing up, apparently. But, yeah. Um, In a tedious, church charge. Tedious UFO-type nuttery business. When I first saw this episode and they said Windlesham, I thought she said Rendlesham, which um, Mulder would have loved to have laid in because Rendlesham Forest is a place where they had a, a noted UFO sighting near a military base. There's audio recordings of soldiers like describing crazy lights and shit like that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's been there when he was in the UK. Oh, yeah, it's all partially declassified now by the MOD. It's, it's good fun. Check it out, Rendlesham Forest. <laughs> Brad, in particular, will love it. <laughs> Brad, when you come over to when you come over to the UK, Brad, we're going to go on a little UFO tour of the UK. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll go up to like right here, Brad is S monster and all everything. With Brad here, I'm going to mention a thing that I don't think has ever been revealed about me in years is that I used to um, belong to an amateur uh, supernatural phenomena research team. Oh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> operated oh. out, operated out of Eltham, South East London, the Eltham Supernatural Phenomena Research and Investigation Team, or Esprit for short. That's- so oh, sad. I know, I know. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm not the complete skeptic than Brad is, but I tell you what: if you have an interest in the subject, nothing will skepticize you quicker than <laughs> meeting with meeting with people who think they've seen things and had these unusual experiences, and just interviewing them for about twenty minutes. Yeah. You will suddenly realize that you have never met anybody sane doing this job. So um, that was helpful. But I did get interviewed by the local papers a couple of times and get on the news. <laughs> Where, of course, we were all treated like morons. So it's always funny. <laughs> you know you know how it would be with the wacky news day. It's like, well, you've heard about unusual events, but what about in Eltham, South East London? Well, here's a crazy story about... You know what I mean. We're, we're one of those guys. We're one of those new stories on a very boring day. All right. Um, so, yeah, Mulder goes back... <laughs> Goes back and talks to uh, Mrs. Kotchek and uh, she says that the guy had an English accent. Dun, dun. Also, he was on fire, so he should be fairly easy to spot. <laughs> they haven't found a body yet. Um, back in Cape Cod, the driver uh, stumbles out of his room and Cecil smirks and says it might be the cough syrup. <laughs> Did you see He's the, the name? king of the smirks in this. Did you see the name of the cough syrup? Oh. Pembrokes or something? It's Pembrokes, which of course is a connection to Charles in Charge. The only, the one and only family on Charles in Charge. Yes. Um, (laughs) Scully reviews uh, the Scotland Yard arson murders and uh, profiles the arsonist as having intimate access to his victims. He's young, he's impulsive, and he acts out of sexual urges. And uh, meanwhile, we see Cecil uh, showing the Marsden boys some tricks with his cigarettes. <laughs> Those are some budget, budget English kids. They sounded awful. They sounded like they came from Limey Kid Warehouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on, show us a trick, governor. I've, I've got my corrective braces on because you know about us and teeth. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I'm in, I'm in America now, so I can get good dental health care. 
Well, you we see the close, it, you close up I, of the other I, kid. Yeah. Like it looked like he needed braces more. Well, yeah. What they needed was Dr. Chris Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There were some crazy child predator antics going on. Yes. I like the fact that, you know, because like, like Cecil slash Bob, I'm going to call him Bob because he's Bob the caretaker. But Bob the caretaker, right? So he's after like, he wants to set fire and all this. What 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 is he doing? Is is he just fucking with the kids just because he, yes. he's evil? Yes, yeah. yeah. that's why evil. I love him because he's like so gleefully evil about everything. He's like, yeah, I'm not only going to set fire, I'm going like, to mess up with these kids. Kids and I'm going to get them smoking because I'm evil and I'm awesome. Yeah, seriously, because he can is the only justification you need for anything this character does. <laughs> oh, love him. That, 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 that Matt, he Matt. loves, uh, you know, the ladies. <laughs> but taken ladies and old yes. people taken ladies. Um, yeah, so uh, Scully <laughs> drops in on Agent Beatty and uh, gives him Agent the theory Perf. that... What's that? Agent Perv. <laughs> so gross. They start talking about how rocket fuel could be put in hand cream, and Agent Beatty says, hey, we still have to find a way to light it. Meanwhile, we see... Using course, a lighter? <laughs> we see Cecil to... Uh, Cecil is... Uh, Lighting cigarettes at this point. He's nicotine at this point. Oh. <laughs> Just wafting smoke in the kids' faces. Go, God, have one. I can't remember what accent he's using at this point. He's like, hey, have a cigarette, limey kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he's doing. His accent wanders so so far from any given point. I can't remember where, which one he's doing. Well, that, we know he's magic... doing his American because he says have a cigarette. Yeah, if he's he was English, he would say have a fag. Oh, have a fag, mate. Smoke a tab. Yeah. <laughs> That's an expensive trick he does because he he goes an unlit cigarette and then he pulls the lit one out of his ear, but it's like been half smoked by his brain or whatever. <laughs> so if it, you'd lose half a cigarette each time. It would, it would be quite expensive, yeah, especially that, nowadays. To out how he did that? <laughs> like seven, nearly eight quid for twenty. <laughs> Um, so Scully continues her report and says, uh, you know, basically since this, this bar fire happened, it could be assumed that, uh, the arsonists followed the Marsdens. Um, Mulder and Scully, excuse me, Mulder and Phoebe, mm. uh, are comparing case notes and, uh, Mulder is not used to someone agreeing with him so much. <laughs> Can I do a Claire style weird observation in this? On this scene where they're walking towards the camera, there's a mad perspective thing because a guy is uh, a guy walking away from camera with a raincoat on, and I swear the further he gets from camera, the larger he seems. <laughs> it's like perspective works in reverse on him. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> It might be my television, or indeed my crazy adult brain. But uh, I, it might be I, I that room from Alice in Wonderland, you know, where Damn. she gets bigger. Yeah, I just thought it was important really enough to have actually written it down, so I figured it was worth mentioning as well. So this party is going to be held in uh, Sir Malcolm's honor. So they were like, "Hey, let's set a trap uh, for this arsonist." And by the way, I'm setting a trap for you in my vagina. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I put Phoebe wants Mulder bad. Yeah. Yeah. At least there would be less of a burning sensation and less, of course, thrush. So, uh... <laughs> um... Oh, dear. <laughs> Natural yogurt. All at the, the way. Uh, at the Venable oh. Plaza... <laughs> yogurt is gross! You've just made it even grosser. Caniston? <laughs> Come on, I mean, I just didn't want to use a... Yeah, caniston. <laughs> at the uh, Venable Plaza Hotel, which, by the way, is a real hotel in Vancouver. Mm. And uh, this is the newer version of that hotel because the older version burnt to the ground. <laughs> <Really>? Nice. Yep. <laughs> 
Mulder checks in, tests the springs. Uh, <laughs> Scully there is, calls. There is no way Scotland Yard can afford this room for Mulder, no, by the way. No way. We are skint. We got no money at all. Scully calls and says she's uh, coming up with some evidence. Mulder says he might have his hands full. (laughs) All right. I'm saying right now, this is why Mulder must lose. Yep. (laughs) Hands full of foof. Scully's like, "Um, I've got some evidence on who the person we're looking for might be. Uh, I'm going to bang this chick. Sorry. (laughs) This chick is bad and fucks with my head. Yeah. Phoebe and Mulder, like, I can't remember which one of them it is, but when they decide to, like, you know, basically just run off, um, one of them says, well, it doesn't look like the arsonist will make an appearance. How do you know? <laughs> ah, he's not going to show up. Yeah, whatever. It's, it's like, you don't it, know that. I believe my boner says that he's not showing up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, been... it's Mulder who says that because Phoebe says something like, doesn't mean there won't be a fire to put out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or basically, it was still, in summary then, sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, I is... love Mark Shepard hiding behind that plant. I love yeah. it so much. She's there to be creepy for a second. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Scully sees him, and then Hello. Uh, when Mulder and Phoebe start kissing, she uh, turns away, and he's gone. Throws up she's in her ex- mouth. She's yeah. excellent in that bit. She's in full, oh, for fuck's sake, mode. <laughs> and we see a fire on the 14th floor is broken out. Can I just say, we don't see a fire. We see <laughs> that, obviously... A little little dwarf is hiding around that corner holding a flamethrower because that is not how fire works. And that little dwarf is there later as well because a fire would travel along. It doesn't go... It was a very comprehensive comprehensive alarm system they had. They had alarms for smoke and fire as separate <laughs> yeah. entities. Well, they are. You could be having a cigarette. True, but there is at least a fire involved, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is just horrible looking it's like oh it's like a, ooh, a scary dragon is around the corner <laughs> <laughs> i wish it not was even that dragon. much smoke <laughs> oh, it's like a it's like a it's definitely a tv fire um no okay. it's the same it's the same three seconds of tv fire footage yeah. over and over again yep mm. Um, so yeah, Mulder was rushing upstairs, he fights his fear, crawls towards the flame, and then he gasps for air, and then starts to pitifully crawl away, whimpering. (laughs) (laughs) And the firefighters have to rescue Mulder. And the fire is all on the ceiling, so Mm. he's not going to get burnt. I mean, there is smoke inhalation, but he was doing the right thing, crawling along the floor. Mm -hmm. So, like, what the hell? Mulder, you're rubbish. (laughs) Downstairs, the heroic Cecil comes out of the elevator with the boys while Mulder wheezes into an oxygen mask. Oh, you shouldn't use the lift during a fire, man. (laughs) Um, In his hotel room, Scully nurses Mulder back to health. Did you see her face? Did you see Scully's face? Tammy, did you see it when Mulder took off his his bathrobe? She was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) I was like, whoa, Scully. (laughs) What was the reason for stripping him to begin with? His clothes were full of smoke. (laughs) Because Cecil was evil. If he was in such bad shape that he was unconscious, then that means either he should have gone to the hospital or clearly Scully's like, well, I'm a doctor. I can take care of this. Yeah. (laughs) Let me just take him back uh, to the room. A little bit. I might as well take the shirt off. (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave him with his Mulder shorts, but that's about it. (laughs) Mulder says, I haired out. I've never heard that expression before in my life. Agreed. I haired out? Who says that? Yeah. Weird. I haired out. I can't is it like it. I haired out. out but you pick up, is it hair as in your hair on your head or hair like a big rabbit or what? 
<laughs> oh, I started boxing. I started boxing another hair. <laughs> well, again, it's like chickened out, but with like a different creature. <laughs> he got his Easter creature mixed up. <laughs> well, I to- oh man, I totally pigeoned. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So uh, Mulder's all upset. Phoebe comes in, assures Scully that Bob, the caretaker, is not a suspe- suspect because you know he's got a different accent. Good profiling <laughs> job. Yeah, the guy we're looking for is English, so it can't be this guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Phoebe leaves, and Scully finally shows Mulder. Hold up, hold up. Hold up. Oh. It, see, there was a second there with all three of them in that room that either somebody was about to, there was either about to be a fight or a threesome. Yeah. <laughs> we cannot leave that point unmentioned. Violent threesome. Yes. It was awesome. Uh, so Scully's evidence, she's got a list of possible fuels, and we see right at the top the Argo tip to plane or whatever, which I, I, I googled, and it seems to only bring up X-Files things. Yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> and a list of caretakers looks like uh, Cecil worked in two of the uh, victims' homes. Scully's uh, awesome because she says stuff that she's found, and then she just goes, and then I dug further, and I found this, and then I dug further, and I found this, and I was like, and what were you doing, Mulder? You were passing out and trying to bang Phoebe. <laughs> he yeah. was herring out, apparently. Herring out. out. Mulder's got a boner for anyone whose name is a composite of characters from Friends. <laughs> <laughs> when he meets Rachel Buffet, he's going to go insane. <laughs> but at the same time, if it came down to it and was like, hey, I can let these kids burn up and I won't have to worry about these stupid kids anymore and bang Phoebe, I mean, maybe sometimes kids just got to go down. <laughs> yeah. Go down, eh? She was looking mid. nice in that dress, I mean. Yeah, for the, yeah, for like the early 90s or whenever. I thought the dress was still... It still work. It'd but still if, work. I, if this shit hits the fan, you know, this is a trap they're setting up. How is she going to be like chasing after anybody within that dress? I don't know. I think you'd have to be egregiously horny to a to an extent that no human has ever been to think, I'm going to let two kids burn so I can get my end away. <laughs> I don't know. Some Chris people really crack. hate kids. <laughs> I might Sorry, be one of the say, people. That's true. Say again, Tammy? Just say, uh, Chris, meet Brad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Farewell, children. Farewell to all of you. <laughs> uh, we find out some stuff that, like you guys said, like the whole Cecil died in a London fire in 71, also died in a group what. of kids with British satanic cult sacrifice in 63. We <laughs> learned there's someone worse at pseudonyms than Mulder. I'm going <laughs> to yeah, keep my same did. name and put an apostrophe in it. Yeah. <laughs> They'll never know. <laughs> um, it's good be- that Scully pronounces Cecil properly in this scene and then says it wrong at the end of the episode. <laughs> she says Cecil? Yeah. <laughs> says, <laughs> says Cecil this time and then Cecil lively at the end. Well, she's in the wrong episode at the end. of the ep- at the at the end. We'll, we'll talk about that. Ah. Um, so according to Visas, it looks like uh, uh, Cecil arrived two weeks ago. Ah! And Scully waits by the fax machine for... <laughs> For, for Richard of Match Dissolve. <laughs> yeah, uh, the I love sketch that says that basically it's uh, it's the driver. She tries to dial Mulder, but apparently there are no cell towers yet that have been no. built in Cape Cod. The best part <laughs> is the fact that this is another another example of completely unnecessary exposition. When Scully's yeah. on the phone, I've been waiting on this fax. Oh, wait, here it is now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the driver. Who are you saying this to? Yourself? Why? It's to us. But yeah, 
Mulder storms into the Marsden home and catches Sir Malcolm and Phoebe getting a little close. Uh, yeah. Oh, bitch. Um, <laughs> Phoebe slag, more like. <laughs> <laughs> Mulder says they're going to have to get the family out of here. We have uh, Scully showing up later, and apparently they haven't left yet. Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand the timeline here at all. <laughs> I don't know if you guys got the same thing, but I don't understand how no one's checked on the driver in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you would Matt... be out. I mean, surely at least I mean you check where he is. But you yeah. know, even if you didn't check, you'd be able to smell him. They say he disappeared. <laughs> yeah, like but that's burnt fish up there. You know, but... it's like you'd be able to smell him. Yeah. Those are fifth and sixth degree burns. <laughs> <laughs> so did he just did he go up mid puke, like in the Ralph of Doom? <laughs> the worst. That was that's got to be a, a terrible way to die. <laughs> Vomiting and on fire. And also in the bedroom, when the fire starts going up, there they stand there for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, just have, Mulder doesn't understand how fire works. <laughs> tries to bat it out with like a dry thing and then just knock it onto a bed <laughs> yeah good work Mulder yeah he but he's the only up... one trying to fight the fire the rest that of them are just true. standing there some points I'm scared of this but still come on you dumbasses do something <laughs> and then out in the hallway we find out that the towel that he was trying to put that fire out with all of a sudden erupts into flames because it's covered in rocket fuel yeah what you know what? It's good that, you know, like, um, Bob was painting all the walls with rocket fuel, but none yeah. of the walls set on fire. Only the yeah. the really ugly paintings that were clearly painted for the episode. <laughs> and the ceiling. So, like, can I just go to the store and buy rocket fuel? Where am I getting rocket fuel from? And if you know. can smell it on a towel, as much as it's all over this place, you think as soon as they walked in, everyone would be like, ah! Yeah, well, you can yeah, smell paint when a house is painted, so, yeah. Well, it has, the house has been freshly painted, though, and he's been painting the house, so... But that wouldn't hide it. Go. No, but they'll think it's the smell of the paint. No, well, I wondered is, if he'd been mixing it with works. the paint, because surely that would make more sense, that he mixed the rocket fuel into the paint can and then painted I'm, the walls, rather than having I, a can that yeah. says rocket fuel on it and painted <laughs> the walls. Maybe. I've got to admit that I didn't apply much thought to it because I spent all my time trying to do a kind of Fox Mulder's accelerant adventure pun that hasn't really come off. (laughs) (laughs) Also, to answer your question, Tammy, as to where you get rocket fuel, if you do want some, I'm sure my dad can get you some because he designs rockets. (laughs) That's good to know. Wow. It's not exactly exactly brain surgery. In another subject, my dad had a lot of things to say about your conversation about clean rooms on Ramjack Brad. Nice. Yes. More on that later. <laughs> Shit, what was that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the other thing was uh, uh, Agent Beatty earlier said that you'd have to put so little bit of, like, rocket fuel for it to blend in to not be noticeable, not to be, for it not to be hot, basically. And he's painting it on the walls with a paintbrush. Like, wouldn't you think they would just, I don't know, like, melt thing? I mean, if they're, they're saying the rocket fuel is hot to the touch, I don't know. It would definitely affect the paint, like make it bubble or something. Um, So, yeah, uh, they get the Marsdens downstairs. Mulder sends Scully off to find a fire extinguisher, tells the Marsdens to go outside. He runs upstairs begrudgingly. Uh, (laughs) Mulder hears the voice. Man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. (laughs) I think it's funny that Mulder just keeps getting sent up in the fires. Like, yeah. the one person that's freaked out about fire, they just keep yeah. sending. That's, that's because really they're like, plan. who's expendable? Mulder, get out 
Do you think and... the parents might want to get in on that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Mulder has a gun. Um, those parents care about their children about as much as I care about them. Fire, Robin. What are you, about? you can't shoot a gun at fire. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, Mulder hears the boys yell. The dog yapping. We don't hear from the dog ever again in this episode. <laughs> Buns. Um, Buns Cecil dog. pops out and snaps his fingers, setting the uh, hallway ablaze. Yeah, Junior. And then he does like a little shimmy down the stairs. He's like, yeah, I'm so freaking awesome. <laughs> it's like, if you ever are upset with David Duchovny at all, this is an episode to watch because you can literally see him burn himself uh, enough to scar in this scene. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, where he's like jumping, he goes, ah! Like, that's real. <laughs> he actually got it burned on his hand, leaving a, uh, a scar from this scene. Oh. Yeah. And there's actually, if you watch, uh, um, as the fire goes up, you see um, uh, Mark Shepard actually duck out of the shot, like run out, out of the way of the hall. And then all of a sudden in, in the next cut, he's there again. It's because, you know, he was getting out of the way as the flames erupted. I, I wonder <laughs> if that's why, because I've been talking about odd sort of slow-mo earlier, but there's a bit here where they speed things up really quickly. And they must have done that to try and, you know increase the speed of the shot for him getting out of it yeah things like that because yeah that's another moment where you'd think slow-mo actually would have looked really quite good but uh they don't (laughs) and then some stock footage of fire yeah um yeah so scully has cecil at gunpoint cecil's like hey the gunshot could make the house explode accent number four (laughs) (laughs) these are two distinct london accents earlier of course he's a mangy mangy little cur and now it's all like how do you know a spark from that gun make make this blow this whole place to kingdom come you mean he's turned into michael Caine? yes you're only supposed (laughs) to play doors off yeah. Now, now, young Master Wayne. Oh, sorry, carry on. <laughs> Ooh, Batman, yuck. Some men just want to watch the world burn, you see? It all ties in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phoebe throws fuel in uh, Cecil's face. He stumbles out, out the house and he, blindly. He, he goes it. crazy like the Wicked Witch of the West in The Wizard yeah. of Oz when she gets water. It's like, I'm melting. It's amazing. He Love starts it. laughing maniacally and sets himself on fire. Well, everyone yeah. just kind of looks on stunned. <laughs> I think he just reaches the floor where he goes, ah, oh, fuck this shit. Wallop. Yeah. Just sets himself on fire again. Oh, Love you can't it. catch me. You're after me lucky charms. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, back at uh, FBI HQ, uh, Scully taunts Mulder with her English accent. Very good. She's prepping for her future as a uh, being in a lot of Dickensian adaptations on the BBC. Well, she, she grew up in London, though, didn't she, Gillian uh, Anderson? Mm-hmm. She grew up in, like, in Crouch End, so she does a just perfectly normal English accent, because I think for a long time it was an accent that came to her more naturally than an American one did. Mm-hmm. So there you go, and that's why it's so good. Hence Scully's English trolling. (laughs) Um, Phoebe left Mulder with another tape, which he's decided not to play. It was the safety dance by Men Without Hats. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. That was much too funny. Um, um, Turns out you actually can dance to it. Yeah. Scully types in her report that Cecil was admitted to Boston Mercy with, yes, fifth and sixth degree burns. <laughs> She'd fully recover in a month. And, yes, this uh, this shot of her typing the report is actually from Squeeze. Uh, <laughs> there's actually a picture of George Usher, the first victim of Squeeze, uh, on her desk as she's <laughs> typing away. Wow. 
This is also, of course, X File number one one two one four eight nine three eleven twenty one. One one two one. One one two one forty eight is uh, Chris Carter's wife's oh, birthday. Fuck you. And of course, this is actually the last episode in nineteen ninety three. So They're on the twenty one months. He's born on the eleventh of Quantember. <laughs> yeah, whatever. They do the. We do the dates the right way. I'm sorry to say. That's okay. It I, makes no sense. It would be like counting in units, then hundreds, then tens. It's nonsense. It you know nonsense. it. I agree. You go from smallest to largest. Large, oh no! Oh, never mind. Let's not do this. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna start a war. Um, <laughs> there was being kept... war about exactly this shit. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're gonna start it a goes war. Goes so well. <laughs> Cecil's being kept in a container away from uh, flammable stuff. He's healing really well. Nurse checks on Cecil. And, and, he is... and when he opens his eyes, they make a little crunchy noise. I love it. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> He's dying that was for my favourite bit in the entire episode. <laughs> I don't know why, it just made me laugh so much. It was like... <laughs> All right, so uh, <laughs> our next segment is Monster Runway. And um, we're, of course, talking about the dog. Um <laughs> Evil what? little cur. No. Uh, <laughs> Cecil Live. Cecil the Lively. Cecil Lively. The Ively. The Ively. Of the caretaker. Yeah. Yes. Scariness. I think he's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> With that goatee. Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, that that version of him is plenty frightening. And at the end, when he's just going bonkers, like ah, I'm on fire. <laughs> and with all that, that denim. The version of him is terrifying because that's when he does his English, uh, his Irish accent, and it's like, oh, what are you doing? Okay, <laughs> if we have the goatee with the denim and the uh, and the Lucky Charms accent, that yeah, would be the most terrifying. It would. I think yeah. he only says top of the morning to you, though. I don't think he has any other Irish like thing that he says. No, that's it. I hate when they do the close-up on his eyes, and you, you're oh, like, please, get some tweezers. It's <laughs> like little what? hairs between his eyebrows. I was gonna, you, I was sort of, you leave um, his hairs alone, Robin. Monobrow. That that dude needs to hang on to as many hairs as he can. Yeah, he does. <laughs> you, can, you can tell when you look at him in this episode, you think that hair's not going to hang around for long. And <laughs> it didn't, behold. did it? No, it certainly nope. didn't. It buggered right off, like Paul McKenna. British, British reference, British reference. <laughs> Okay, so scary. Uh, creativity? I don't get his plan. <laughs> no, he doesn't have a plan. He doesn't have a plan. He loves to set shit on fire. That's his plan. He does it he, because he can. He's super creative. He puts he puts rocket fuel in, in, in cough syrup. Cough he syrup. paints it onto walls. Yeah. I mean, he does all kinds of crazy antics. He's plenty creative. He's, yeah, he's the most creative monster the X-Files has ever seen. Seven out of ten. He's, he's, pretty, he's pretty impulsive, that's for sure. And, of course, his sex appeal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd do him. (laughs) I would bang him like a drum. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'd suck on his fags. (laughs) Wow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, has Mulder versus Scully already been decided? Yes. Yeah. Mulder sucked. (laughs) Yeah. Mulder, you were good for a few episodes, but now, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mulder, I appreciate you uh, wanting to be James Bond. <laughs> Tuxedo, are, text in the Springs. How are all of these women going after him? He's terrible. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah, God. I have to go Scully as well. Yeah. 
See, Mulder doesn't even... Ca- I mean, he mentions that pyro... I was going to say that pyrokinetics exist. I think Brad's not going to do this. But, I mean, the concept of pyrokinesis exists, at least. Um, but he doesn't actually assume that that's what's going on. Like, the whole episode just plays out exactly as it would have done were he not in it, you know? Yeah. And also, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't have sex with a woman who really wants to have sex with him. <laughs> so, you know, it's not like he fails to have sex with someone who doesn't care that he exists. She really wants him, and that doesn't happen either. So, yeah. Whereas, me- meanwhile, Scully researches a bunch of stuff, finds out who everyone is, you know, and solves the whole thing. <laughs> He's an and abject yet, yes, failure. Uh, her, only, her only failure within the X-Files universe is to not take this fact that the guy clearly actually can set fires with his mind as some kind of clue that weird shit happens. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, we have a lot of feedback today, and I'm sure they're all going to be birthday messages, as <gasps> it is Claire's birthday. <laughs> Yesterday. Okay. Yesterday. Yeah. But in the X-Files yeah. universe, it's today. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Happy birthday. Thanks. <laughs> That, that chord will just have to hold. You'll imagine played all of Happy Birthday it, to it you. It was an amazing chord. Thank you. Thank you. A major. One of the best. A major. Awesome. A, yeah. A minor, you see, X-Files theme tune. But um, not very happy. So there you go. Um, our first uh, voicemail is from Michaela, who uh, does hail from uh, X-Files country, Vancouver. Um so here we go. This is the first. Hello, intro to Xers. It's Michaela calling. Uh, I just wanted to call in. I don't even know what the next episode is. Uh, oh, yeah, I do. Fire. You already said that. Uh, you're talking about that. Um, it's been like 100 years since I watched X-Files. So I'm just calling in to say I'm really enjoying the show. It's uh, fun to listen to you guys, even though I'm not watching along. And I, of course, the main priority of my message is to wish a very happy birthday to Claire and to say how wow. funny you are, Claire, and it is just a joy to listen to you guys all talk, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. Anyway, I hope you have a wonderful birthday, Claire. I hope you get lots of cake and presents and good things like that, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for nice. the stroke to my ego, Michaela. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome. Thanks, Michaela. Um, Thanks. This next one is from Matt. And possibly Mel. Hey everyone, it's Matt and Mel. Hello. The episode Fire. There has never been a more obvious evil dude. Right That's when strange. it opens, he's <laughs> got like the evil devil goatee. <laughs> yeah. That was a really horrible trick that Mulder's uh, friend played on him. <laughs> Quote unquote friend. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know like why. Why, why he pined for her? Yeah. She, she was a bitch all around. She was a bitch all the time. Cheating on him and helping that family dude uh, have an affair. She was helping him have an affair? By kissing him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how can, you, how can you help somebody have an affair? <laughs> Here, let me help. <laughs> um, and that dude, sorry, that dude was totally Killer Bob. He liked to play with fire. Mm. <laughs> I was really hoping when they printed out that uh, composite sketch that it would be uh, Killer Bob yeah. coming out of the printer. I was really, funny. really hoping for it, but it didn't happen. You like to play with fire, little boy. Yeah. His name was Bob as well. Oh yeah, his name was Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our second mutant episode. I'm liking all these X Men popping up. He has to be. He can he's make got, fire. He's got 56 chromosomes. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Did you notice how Mulder, Mulder was like, I'm so scared of fire. I know. And then he went to, like, open the door when he was going to rescue the children, and it looked like he was trying not to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. 
scared but this is really funny he's like some sort of cro-magnon man who's afraid of fire <laughs> yeah. ooh, ooh. he's just figured out the wheel but he hasn't figured out fire yet there's a cool shot of the fire eating at the ceiling that was pretty cool 7,000 degree fire is enough to give you fifth or sixth degree burns <laughs> so why did he catch on himself on fire and why was there a gong sound at the end of it it was really weird <laughs> he won some sort of game <laughs> I like how the, the driver burned up mid barf in the toilet <laughs> That's the best. Oh, but the worst way to die. Mm. You're already feeling really crappy, and then the guy makes you feel crappier by burning you. I don't understand. I thought he was immune to fire because he caught himself on fire in the bar, but then at the end he catches on fire and he gets really hurt. When uh, when Scully had the gun on him, and he's like, you don't know if that spark from that gun is going to make the whole house explode. I'm why would that make the house explode if it hasn't already exploded from all the open flame in the yeah, house? Yeah, and when Mulder was beating the towel on those paintings, and then and then he's like, it smells like gas! Oh, and then he catches fire? I'm yeah. like, how does that happen? It should have already caught fire. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, we should rate it. I'm gonna give it 7,000 degrees up. I'd say it's a solid <laughs> 9 out of 10 smoking children. One last thing we have to get out of the way. We have to cross all our T's and dot all our I's, get all all of our business out of the way. we got to wish Brad a happy birthday, Robin, Robin and Tammy, <laughs> and whoever the guest is. When birthdays birthday come around, month. happy birthday. That is all. Bye. Bye. Ah, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Mel was right. Why was there a gong sound at the end? I, I don't know if it was a well. gong sound. Comedy. But the, there was a, uh, uh, I remember reading, I didn't actually catch this in the episode, so I'm just assuming they're talking about this. Um, there was some sort of a chime, apparently, that uh, was kept in the episode in error because it was something to, like, signal Jillian Anderson to read her voiceover. Uh, oh. Uh, I read that, I read that on, um, TV.com, so uh, huh. I don't know if it's right or not. <laughs> um, he, here is uh, Matt and Mel. It says, uh, oops, we forgot something very important. <laughs> Matt, didn't we forget something? Uh, oh, yes. Forgot the most important thing. We want to wish a happy birthday to Rob Zombie. Kirstie Alley. <laughs> Howard Stern. And our very special friend, Rush Limbaugh. Happy birthday, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Wish, Rob, wish Rush Limbaugh a happy birthday all you want, but Rob Zombie could sod off. Listen, I'm always down for a good joke, but we cannot we cannot delve to wishing Rush fucking Limbaugh happy birthday. No. Should I Margaret that Thatcher? Out? Fuck her. I throw the um, so, uh, this next one is from uh, Matt and Mel. It says one last thing. What the time. hell? Matt, I really Better think be an forgot something. I think so, too. Happy birthday, Claire. Claire. <laughs> Should we sing? <laughs> no. Why not? Oh, I hope, Claire, I hope that uh, Pyro Bob will light your birthday cake for you. <laughs> that would be an amazing <laughs> show. Pyro Bob <laughs> and Pennywise the Clown will be the only guests at your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Worst birthday ever. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. See you later. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Right, and this next one is from Matt and no, I'm just kidding. Uh, this is <laughs> this is from uh, Ina. Apparently, I this one's from Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really upset. Oh, Claire, I just wanted to say happy birthday and fuck everybody. I hate I black people. Oh, oh, oh.
<laughs> I've eaten a lot of food. Hello, intro to X. A very happy birthday to Claire. I hope you had an awesome day yesterday and that you got to celebrate, <clears throat> had a good time, and got everything you wanted. Uh, fire! It was an awesome episode. I thought it was uh, really enjoyable. I love Mark Shepard so much. He was great. Um, yeah, Phoebe Green was really annoying. Scully rolled her eyes a lot. Mulder was afraid of fire, which felt a little bit tacked on. Like, let's make Mulder afraid of fire for this episode only, because that'll create more drama. Oh, whatever. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, the X-Files are on a roll, <clears throat> and I'm getting a cold, so I'm not going to bother you anymore. But I love your podcast, and I love you all. Bye-bye. Oh, we love you, Ina. Thanks, Ina. Thank voicemail you. after voicemail this week. We're really, uh, we're really lucky. It's cool. Um, oh, forget it. We're not actually lucky. This next one's from Michael David. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it says, uh, subject is, in your eyes. <laughs> is he going to sing uh, Peter Gabriel at us? Hey, everyone. A couple quick thoughts on fire. Um, basically, it's the episode where Mulder sulks around after getting a mixtape placed in his car by the incredibly awful Phoebe, who is a worse investigator than Mulder. And poor Dana Scully is stuck at the FBI with the creepy arson specialist who is kind of more like an arsonist. But she ends up cracking the entire case while those two make out and dance and put everybody's lives in danger with their incompetence. And that's my synopsis of Fire. I did enjoy it, though, but it was a fun little ride. And uh, that's all I got. So happy birthday to Claire, and uh, take care, guys. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> Thanks, Can everybody Michael. stop hating Phoebe? Leave I didn't her hate alone. her. She's great. <laughs> that was an awkward silence there. I just hate her because she's Can we talk about how Mulder is terrible? <laughs> yeah. She's like yeah. a thousand times better. If we could just have, if we'd have the Scully and Phoebe show, this would be Ooh. awesome. Like Rosario okay. Niles. Yes! In fact... <laughs> Let's bring Angie Harmon in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> all three of them. Best show ever. Every yeah, but the, all, the dialogue would, all the dialogue would be like, we're investigating some sneaky bugger down at the docks. <laughs> <laughs> um, this next uh, voicemail is from Steph. Uh, the subject is the one with Mark Shepard. <laughs> Hello, intro talks. This is Stephanie. Okay, I'm going to talk about the episode. I don't know. What, is the name of this fire? I, I don't know. It's the one with Mark Shepard, my favorite. <laughs> Mark Shepard has been in all of our favorite genre shows. I guess this was the first. I don't know. He was so young. Um, I wonder how he kept, how he keeps from losing his accent. Um, the only really interesting part of this episode that I found was... Um, Okay, Mold, I guess it's showing that Mulder's gut instinct is right. That he should have known, um, you know, that he had his guard up when, what's her name, Phoebe first showed up. And then over the course of the episode, he dropped it. And, you know, he was, <laughs> the part where Scully calls and says, yeah, I'm coming up. And he's like, oh, he's so disappointed, you know, cock blocked by Scully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and they got out of showing a big elaborate cocktail party by just showing uh, Mulder and, what is her name? Phoebe. Phoebe outside the party. That was, uh, you know, pretty ingenious. But, um, and Scully having to watch them be all intimate, and that was sad. 
So yeah, Mulder should have, you know, in the end, Phoebe was seeing the husband, uh, the people that she was supposed to be helping. And I don't know why they come to the United States. I didn't get that. And why didn't they check out the people that work for the people? I mean, like they should. You, you would have thought that they would check out the work, the employees of the families that this is happening to. Like that would be the first thing to do. It would be so easy to rule out. Anyway, SOD. Yeah, this is not my favorite. This is, uh, it's no fallen angel, but, you know, uh, you know, oh, and R.I.P. Pensacola, what, what, Skylar, you're just, you're missing out. See you guys later. Bye. Thanks, Steph. In honor of, uh, Pensacola, what, what, I'm drinking Pepsi Max, which will now be known as Pepsi Cola, what, what, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Um, actually, the, our next uh, voicemail is from Pensacola. What? Oh. Um, I, may I quickly interject, Robin? Sure. Hey, firstly, but I don't believe it's going to be quick. Oh, uh, sorry. Say again. I said I don't believe it's going to be quick. No, no, no. Hey, firstly, with you, me, and uh, <laughs> Steph on a podcast, it's a bit like old times. Second yeah. one, I've just looked up um, Mark Shepard's IMDb page, and this is his first kind of genre role. He had two screen roles before, one in the film In the Name of the Father, Paddy Armstrong, where presumably he did a bad Irish accent again. Nice. <laughs> and he was two unrelated characters in an epi- in a in two episodes of a, a Stephen J. Cannell series I've never heard of called Silk Stalkings. Oh, that's... Uh... It's a USA network. Uh, yeah. Title. Ran for eight seasons or something. Yeah. It's almost porn, but not at all. <laughs> not oh, well, I see. <laughs> and um, after, and you'll be pleased to know, after his appearance in the X-Files, he did no other screen work for two years. Oh. <laughs> his next appearance is two years later in an, an episode of a thing called Mantis, but spells out ah. as a... An attack <laughs> nice. I want to see that. Mantis. Oh, my. His character um, is C. Flayton Rule. <laughs> anyway, uh, that is all. Flayton Rule. Hmm. Um, Dez writes in here, uh, fire, fire, heh, <laughs> heh. <laughs> I think it sounds it's supposed to sound like fire, fire. Ah, <laughs> uh, good work. <laughs> Thank you. I do that better than Irish. Um, fire! <laughs> fire! <laughs> fire! Oh, fire. I don't know what's going on. Oh. I don't know. Either. Shut up, Beaver. Shut up, you dumbass. Hello, Intro Talks. It's Dez. And first off, let me say, Happy birthday, Claire. <laughs> you are lovely. Um, okay, so I just watched Fire, and damn, Mark Shepard looked young and so handsome. Um, <laughs> except for when he had the goatee. That goatee was not good. And you know how much I love facial hair on men. It's not often when I don't like it. It's one of those rare times. Um, so, uh, Mulder was shirtless. Um, so that always gives this gives an episode extra points because I love when Mulder's shirtless and when he wears his glasses. That is awesome. Um, so Mulder had a, his ex-girlfriend show up and um, she was British. Like our lovely Claire. <laughs> but she was kind of a jerk. I don't like her. Yeah, but no. He should be with Scully. Defo. Defo. Both of them. I am a big time <laughs> shipper. 
Um, so yeah, I like this episode. Um, I thought the uh, the fire stuff was uh, the special effects were really cool. It looked awesome, like uh, when they were in the room, the bedroom, and like the bed caught on fire. And it, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it you could it, like if you pause it, you could see the accelerant on the bed. But you know, just watching the show, it looked like it spontaneously combusted, which was cool. And then the pictures going up in the hallway, I thought was awesome. So yeah, I like this episode. It was good. Um, I can't wait to hear what you guys think. Um, I'm sure it's going to be lots of stuff because you guys always think lots of stuff because you're smart like that. (laughs) Anyways, just rambling. Um, That's all I have to say. I will see you next week. Bye. Thanks, Dad. Bye. Awesome. And (laughs) we have another voicemail. Uh, I'm loving all these voicemails. (laughs) (laughs) This one's titled Moira's Medical Minute. Yay! I'm a listener, because this is good for me. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> Hello, my little toxins. It's Moira calling. I got behind on sending in feedback because of holiday time, but I've been listening, and I see I need to give a few answers, damn it. All right, for Fallen Angel, number one, you are correct. Scully cannot just practice medicine willy-nilly in any state she chooses. She needs a medical license. And every state, and province or territory, if you're talking about Canada, issues their own licenses. So that is more nonsense. And her training in forensic medicine, that was it, right, I think. Anyway, it would not give her any useful skills when dealing with burn victims. That is really uh, much more the purview of the emergency room physician. And dear knows, that's not Scully's training. Uh, She's good with dead bodies, but live kicking ones, not so much. Number two, burn degrees. I thought the posting in the intro to X group with the sixth degree burn victim was hilarious. Thank you for that. Normally in medicine, we describe three degrees of burn. Uh, Sometimes they'll say the fourth one uh, does exist and it means that the burn went right down to the bone. I saw one website that claimed there were fifth and sixth degree burns, but it was some lawyer's website who was into litigation. So I don't think that's terribly Hmm. credible. All right, for the episode Eve, uh, you guys guessed at 48 chromosomes per person. That was close, but it's actually 46. We get 44 autosomes, which come in 23 pairs um, that are the same in men and women. And we get uh, one set of sex chromosomes because sex is always better with two. Uh, (laughs) Boys get an X and a Y, girls get two X chromosomes. But you were correct, Colleen. Down syndrome is indeed caused by trisomy 21, which is just fancy doctor speak for having three number 21 chromosomes. And that, my dears, concludes Moira's Medical Minute. Gee, I hope Brad didn't time this because I think this went over a minute. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Moira. Oh, amazing. Oh, we have, uh, we have an update from Moira. Oh, more, more Medical Minute. She says, ugh, on the episode, but David is, Davis is still on board with watching, so yay for that. And here is her follow-up, apparently. Hi there, intro to X. So it's Moira calling back. We just finished watching Fire, Davis and I. Um, 
first thing was, good old Scully mentioned 5th and 6th degree burns again. And I see Skylar posted on the Facebook page uh, an awesome link, actually, to um, a site on pediatric burns. And they really do talk about 5th and 6th degree burns. So, okay. All right. I'll give them that. I guess if it goes right down to your bone, you can call it a 6th degree burn. But in practical purposes, or for practical purposes, nobody survives that anyway. So I still stick with, you know, from a practical point of view, burns go to 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th degree. And I guess the rest of it is just a corpse <laughs> with bad burn marks on it. Oi. All right. As for the episode itself, um, I don't know. This wasn't great. It was kind of frustrating. They wanted to introduce this entire romantic story of Mulder and this ex from 10 years ago, but they don't really flesh it out very well. She just seems like a bit of a manipulative jerk. She's evidently having an affair with the husband in that family, and yet she was making kissy face with Mulder, so she just seems like a bit of a schmuck. And, I don't know, I could have done without that whole storyline. I suppose they wanted us to realize that Mulder does have a romantic past, but she just seemed like such an ass. I don't get it. Um, so I could, have, I could have lived without that. The other thing is, they don't really explain very well why our uh, pyrokinetic genetic mutant dude, um, why he had it in for the aristocracy in particular anyway. It, it's not really clear. I mean, he starts the fire in that bar in... Um, in the States, just, I guess, because he's getting his jollies. So I would have expected that he'd be doing that sort of thing uh, hither and yon, and he would have been starting fires in other places, not not merely targeting these aristocrats. So I, I just think that the... The story didn't hold together very well. They didn't really explain enough about his background or what was driving him or what have you. And I don't know. I didn't find it completely believable. So overall, um, I'm only going to give it a 6 out of 10 genetic mutant fire starters. <laughs> and uh, however, you know, you guys might have enjoyed it a whole lot more. I don't know. And I, as usual, will listen and see what you guys thought. Anyway, thanks for putting up with not one, but two voicemails from me in one week. Take care, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Your count was beat by Matt and Mel, but <laughs> we do appreciate it. <laughs> oh no, you're just going to encourage them to have a competition, Robert. <laughs> For me, there's no there's no mystery with Cecil attacking the aristocracy because there's still enough class war bullshit going back centuries in this country that I can imagine just a guy having a chip on his shoulder about the fact that people exist that have more money than him. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Is that, oh, he's got a title and land and stuff, and I don't like that, so burn. I, I don't need I don't need any more motivation than that, really. Yeah, and and he's you know he fixates on the wives. And, yes. You know maybe it's like he sees them on um, television and mm. you know targets them that way. I don't know. Um, we have another one from um, Josh. Yay! Hey guys, this is Josh from the Gleeful Podcast again. Big happy birthday to Claire this week, of course. But on that topic, you know, I noticed in the last few episodes that at least once, Claire will say, Mulder thinks it's aliens. That's crazy! Obviously, it's a demon clown from outer space that feeds on fear. <laughs> and with that kind of persistence, I think she's really just making herself the Mulder of Pennywise. Ooh! Anyway, love the show, guys, and uh, talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> the Mulder of Pennywise. Can I have that as my new title <laughs> it's all yours i don't think anybody else is gonna take it <laughs> i shall wear it with pride i might make a badge and wear it <laughs> and finally we have an email <gasps> from john does anybody want to read that okay this is from john aka Supercop. 
Number one, with that bad 60s Klingon fake goatee, I think Cecil may be evil. <laughs> Number two, Scully sees the cassette tape and says, what's that? Which is the exact same reaction my seven-year-old son would have. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, well, now I know what the lady from the Skype Echo uh, sound test service looks like. <laughs> Thank you for calling the Skype call testing service. <laughs> this is Phoebe Green. Why would she not do another take of that? The Skype call testing service. But, like, no, the Skype call testing service. It sounds silly. I've never had that. Yeah. Uh, number four. Oh, snap. Cesta is Romo Lampkin. Hashtag BSG. <laughs> number five. Let's see. Choices, choices. Get lucky or set the bar on fire. I'm thinking Cecil may be evil. <laughs> <laughs> Number six, the Skype lady sure gets around. Number seven, leave her alone. <laughs> Number seven, good thing Mulder is an FBI agent because he would make a shitty firefighter. <coughs> oh, sorry. That made me laugh too much. Number eight, Cecil apparently works for Philip Morris. Cecil is obviously evil. Number nine, fifth and sixth degree burns return. Tammy nailed it. Yes. Happy birthday. Oh, I can't read this bit about myself. Happy birthday to one of the most talented, funniest, and cutest interweb friends I have. No, Thank Robin, you. your birthday isn't until June. Happy birthday, Claire. <laughs> Bye, John. He knows Thank when God. my birthday is, though. <laughs> uh, is that because he's a cop and he has you on record? That's <laughs> true. He is a cop. <laughs> you need him. Um... You need Jim Watari to have your address because he will just randomly send you gifts. Right. <laughs> it's worth <for> me. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Jim, if you're listening, send us presents. Um, all right, so time for X ratings. Um, let's start with our guest. Chris, what did you think of Fire? Um, I, I think I will like it more than most other people, but um, can I have a bit of history on this? When this series was first shown in this country, I think it first went round once on um, Sky, a satellite broadcaster that I didn't have. But when it was first shown in the UK, this episode wasn't shown as part of the actual run on BBC Two. It was lifted out and shown in an evening of uh, themed sort of supernatural programming on BBC Two that they called Weird Night. <laughs> and they trailed this episode with the voice of saying, an X-Files episode so strange or scary or something like that, that it could only be shown on Weird Night. And Weird Night was an evening of programming. It had this thing in that had Robert Vaughan in that was called WSH, or Weird Shit Happens. And it had the bits about paranormal phenomena with music that was really cool. I learned, I learned it was by Jeff Barrow, and he got some woman called Beth Gibbons to sing over it, and they released it as the first album by Portishead. But before that, it was the music from Weird Night. And so to this day, I can't quite fit fire into the rest of the X-Files. It feels like a special episode because I first saw it as part of this whole other way of viewing the thing, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I actually read something that it was it was shown later because um, it, it couldn't be shown at its regular time because of uh, uh, the driver that, that over the toilet that was too... Um, ah, you know, that may be. So yeah. they, they just sort of turned, maybe the BBC turned it to their favour and they didn't show it at 9pm but stuck it on like half ten or something like that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's what happened. It was shown as part of a strand called Weird Night. And uh, that was a weird night, which I, I remember video recording at the time. I don't know where it is now. Um, I, I like a lot of this. Um, it's a fair, it's a Chris Carter script, but it's fairly decent. 
and it looks really nice. Season one has this habit of looking a bit sort of gauzy and out of focus and TV movie-ish. And this one is really sort of crystal clear all the way through. It looks really quite impressive. And I like Mark Shepard, and I think that I will happily accept any motivation that is a guy is just insane. Um, I'm <laughs> utterly happy with that. And that is why I give it 8 out of 10 roving accents. <laughs> uh, Claire. Hello. Um, Happy birthday. I... Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um... so Tammy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so mean. Um, so I have seen this episode more than any other episode of The X-Files just because... Um, You've seen this entire series already? Sorry? You've I've seen, seen the entire, entire series. series. Yeah, I've seen everything. No, well, I don't remember a lot of the rest of this series, but I've actually saw this one a few months ago, and I've seen it a lot before. Um, and I, I love this episode, and I love Mark Shepard being gleefully evil, and it just <laughs> amuses me so much. So gleeful. I'm actually going to give it 10 out of 10. <gasps> nice. Dirty buggers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, Tammy? <laughs> <laughs> so, good one, Claire. Good one. Uh, <laughs> okay, so it could have been that I had just eaten dinner and had beer, but the first time I watched this last week, I fell asleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if it was just because like I was alone in the house, I was nice and cozy. I don't know, but uh, I watched it again, and it was good. Um, it was a lot better. I didn't fall asleep the second time. Um, and yes, the end was hilarious mark shepherd was amazing uh so i can only give it like a seven out of ten fires that start by snapping your fingers nice <laughs> <laughs> all right brad all right yeah i thoroughly enjoyed this it was ridiculous and insane and crazy sexual antics going on um i still like i went through i don't think i've seen anything else with mark shepherd in it <laughs> At all. So I don't know what you people are talking about. Uh, apparently he's on everything. I haven't seen any of those things. Um, but it was hilarious. Mulder was... His whole backstory was absolutely hilarious. I think uh, the pedo chimo scene with the cigarettes and the kids... Also amazing. So I think I gotta go eight and a half out of ten rubble looters. <laughs> <laughs> lovely bit of rubble <laughs> oh I love me some rubble that'll go nice to me hovel get out of here mister get out of here we're sleeping here tonight uh, I'll piss off kids have a fag I'm gonna get me some rubble fox fox wake up the looters are here <laughs> I'm, I'm scared of the concept of fire <laughs> Um, well, I'm, I'm surprised everybody seemed to rate it so highly. <laughs> I mean, hilarious episode, I right? was expecting Claire to rate it highly because she's been really looking forward to this. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of shit that doesn't make sense in this. Uh, I, but Mark, Mark Shepard's performance, uh, was great. And I freaking love Agent Beatty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's awesome. Agent Creepy. <laughs> yeah. Agent Fireboner. But, like, this whole... The whole fear of fire thing. The whole uh -huh. um, past love 
thing that we've cited so many instances in this episode where just like extra shit got thrown in there for no reason. Like, yeah, why didn't they just say Mulder was in a fire? No, he was in a rubble with <laughs> he was protecting it from looters. And somehow he got scared of fire because of that. there's just like so many little instances of extra stuff they threw into. I don't know. Maybe they were like, we can't have it sound cliched. Like we <laughs> yeah. let's uh, let's sink us up then. Okay, this is terrible. Chris Carter is not on. afraid of cliches. <laughs> <laughs> True. So I'm giving it a six out of ten. Shifty arson experts. <laughs> you, you scored it lower than everyone else, Robin. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, that doesn't, doesn't happen often. It does sometimes happen. Um, we've, we've also managed to not mention, you can't fight fire with fire! <laughs> <laughs> I try not to write down too many quotes just in case uh, you guys want to say them, so... Oh, indeed. But I, as I like the quote say, where uh, Mulder says, Phoebe is fire. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, my favourite quote. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's what I was alluding to at the beginning of the episode. Season one is fire. <laughs> um, so this uh, <laughs> this uh, episode gets a score of 7.8. It is rated 0.1 over Eve. <laughs> and it uh, looks like uh, it ties with ice out of all the grades we've done. Oh, oh that's Get funny. Fire and ice. Yeah. Until, fire and ice. <laughs> until you suffer some fire and ice. Amazing! Uh, <laughs> I think we're done here. Did you recognize that, Robin? <laughs> that was amazing. All right, so um, <laughs> the next episode is called Beyond the Sea, and we have Ina um, <gasps> checking in with us uh, next week. And uh, so, uh, newbies, what do you think Beyond the Sea is going to be about? They get they get um, pursued by a zombie, Bobby Darren. <laughs> done. <laughs> Mermaid. Um, Evil know. mermaid. Oh, mermaid. <laughs> yeah. Robin, I am actually biting a pen here. It's going back in now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, okay. It's... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, is this the Loch Ness Monster episode? Ooh. Now I'm biting a pen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They go right. They go to Britain because um, he follows her back to Scotland Yard and then they got Scotland. Because, Chris because they don't pro- realise that Scotland Yard isn't yeah. in Scotland. Chris Carter probably thinks that Scotland Yard is in Scotland. Ah. And so they go up to Loch Ness <laughs> and investigate the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> but what they don't know is the Loch Ness Monster has evolved because of aliens and now it has gone beyond the sea. Ooh. <laughs> and I at just some point they were like Bobby Darren. Loch Ness Monster like walking up a mountain or something. <laughs> 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 Do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, Chris, where can we find you on the internets? Uh, um, I still do the 11th Hour podcast. It's just that there hasn't been any content from, from Doctor Who stuff, apart from the Christmas special, which we haven't recorded. <laughs> but that is <laughs> tinyurl.com slash eh podcast. Thank you. <laughs> and do check it out. It is awesome. Um, it is. If- if you like Doctor Who, if you don't, there's no not really any point. I don't know. You guys get off topic enough to uh, maybe... That's you true. Know. Okay, if you like Doctor Who or professional wrestling, shaving, or Pete's pretzel nuggets, <laughs> listen to Doctor Who, the 11th hour podcast. <laughs> but if or you're an like... X-Files newbie like me, watch out. There's <laughs> times where I have to uh, forward. Oh, oh have, yes. I, have I buggered it up? Oh, sorry about that. Yes, be warned. Okay. 
we obviously we don't care about X Files spoilers. We are no. mostly avoiding <laughs> Doctor Who spoilers for people. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, and people like Desiree who apparently just listen for my voice. I believe because... Amy and Rory just died. By the way, right? Isn't that? Um, I just in thought a, I'd, in I'd, a sense. I, <laughs> I just thought I'd spoil Doctor Who. <laughs> Ugh, I hate Amy Pond. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, anybody got else got anything? Oh, I would like to thank um, Nutty Nuchas because she mentioned us on a podcast she did the other day talking about um, podcasts that she started listening to in 2012 and she gave us an awesome mention. So thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you. Several weeks later, I'd like to point out that Ghosts of Mars is not a Wes Craven film. It's a John Carpenter film. Oh, I'm the, oh I hated that. I listened to that. I'm like, <laughs> no, Robin, no. <laughs> in, an, in an episode where you also mentioned Starman, which is also a John Carpenter film. And <laughs> I love the, Starman. The, thing, the John Carpenter film. Oh, yeah. Totally. I don't oh. know why I'm trying to claim back uh, Ghosts of Mars from Wes Craven, because it's not very good. But You hey. can keep it, along with all of his other crappy films he's ever made, whoa, which is every whoa, film whoa. ever. Really? John Carpenter or Wes Craven? Wes Craven. John Carpenter's awesome. How about I'm on Elm Street. I've not seen it! Uh, you can't make that judgment, can you? I can, because... You shouldn't. Come round. You live like... You can get on a 65 now to my house. Come round and I'll show you a Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, I've seen the remake. No! no. <laughs> Don't. All right, well... Uh... I can feel Brad's rage from beyond the sea. It is growing. It will attack you from beyond the sea. <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks to everybody for listening thanks to everybody for sending in those birthday messages i do appreciate it you can just keep sending them in week after week yeah. if you want thank you for thank you for um thank you for contacting me when um when a slot became available the waiting list there is is good for things it's helpful that's what she said yes um <laughs> well <laughs> and, until next time wait <laughs> All of our episodes can be found on iTunes or Downcast. If you're listening, let us know at twitter.com slash intro to us. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash intro talks. Keep it spoiler free. If you do want to talk about spoilers, we have a group for that. That's at facebook.com slash groups slash super secret spoiler. Email us with feedback at mail at introtalks.com. Make sure the episode title is in the subject line. If you want to email me with anything spoilery, email me at supersecretspoiler at introtox.com. All of our podcasts and contact information can be found on our basement office on the internet, introtox.com. And you can tweet me at twitter.com slash lrobinero. Also check out RedemptionCast, an intro cast I co-host about the TV series Angel. You can find that at redemptioncast.blogspot.com. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash myafire. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash tambyyip. You can also find me on i'llwatchthatmovie.com where I am a newbie going through movies from the 80s, 90s, and then we'll see what happens from there. And on a belly dance podcast called Yip Podcast. You guys can catch me on the Ramjack Podcast and also on the Twin Peaks Podcast. Oh, I forgot what it was like to spend a day in court. Now that's one of the luxuries to hunting down aliens and genetic mutants. You rarely get to press charges. <laughs> it's open. What? It's unlocked. That's weird. I'm sure I locked it. Must be an X-File. <laughs> What's that?
I told you I locked the door. What do you think it is? Ten to one, you can't dance to it. Yes. Yeah. 